Hello, James. Hello, Jack. How are you doing on this uh, fine January, I guess, morning for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone's resolutions are just about expired at this point. <laughs> and uh, so we can just get back to normal. Yeah. My resolution was never bluff. And it's working. I haven't bluffed once this year. Yeah, there are definitely uh, contexts which can make that a good strategy. Well, we'll find out today if uh, the uh, our correspondent should have followed that advice. Uh, we have a hand today from Harris, Cherokee, on a late Sunday night, coming from 1-2. So Hero writes about the relevant players in the hand. Big Blind is a young guy who seems to be thinking about the game. He's capable of 3-betting light, generally plays a tight aggressive style, uh, possibly too snug when he's not the aggressor, and is not someone Hero is trying to tingle with generally. Multiple older players at the table have joked that the Big Blind and Hero go to school together because we both look much younger than any other players at the table. Small Blind is a loose passive rec player who's typical for the game. Uh, what are the effective stacks? Um, Big Blind and Hero are relatively deep at $400 effective Small blind is shallower around $150. So I guess we can infer about Hero that um, Hero is also a young guy. And he's writing into the show, so probably he's coming across as at least a, a good or decent player, um, hopefully a great player, uh, at least for his environment. And so if I, I mentioned that because I think that sometimes, or, or when we're up against players who are more likely to be thinking, our profile becomes much more important. We're up against a player who doesn't really put much thought into like what their opponent's strategy might be, then what we look like is not as relevant. A younger player who's playing tight aggressive is you know, not necessarily someone who's thinking about the game, but they're more likely to be thinking. Uh, the fact that they're three-betting light means that, you know, they have some notion of the fact that you should have bluffs uh, at, at certain points in your three-bet range. And so overall, I think it's it's going to be more important here what our profile is. Yeah, and um, another, to kind of go off on a tangent a little bit, like if if I see someone agonizing over a river decision with a bluff catcher from against a, a player who's loose aggressive and just likes to way over bluff, then, um, you know, that kind of tells me something about that player's game, that they're not right. aware of the context quite as much of their, you know, this their opponent who they're playing against. So, yeah, would, some players are, will, like, adjust their strategy more against different profiles and some players um, just kind of, you know, play their cards. And, uh, yeah. And it's, that's a, you know, it correlates with your skill. The more you're, or at least in my opinion, the more you're adjusting to your opponents, but it's not, it's not necessarily a, always a skill thing. You can have players who are much less, uh, knowledgeable about the game, but who do make significant adjustments based on their opposition and vice versa. You can have just like sort of a GTO fish, or, you know, apologies to the GTO fish out there, but uh, who just, like, tries to play what they think is GTO and doesn't really think about their opponents at all. 
And I call them a fish because I think that's a pretty fishy way to play. So big blind and hero are relatively deep at $400 and small blind to shallower around $150. So onto the hand, someone in middle position limps. Hero is in the cutoff with queen of clubs, 10 of clubs, raises to $11. And we've talked enough on the show about considering going larger um, in these one, two games with your open raises. So I'll, I'll reiterate that advice is consider going larger, but you know, this is within the realm of reason for sure. We have queen of clubs, 10 of clubs. If I didn't already say that small blind, big blind and the limper all call. So it looks like we're going to the flop with probably after rake around $40. Flop hopefully, comes. hopefully $40 after rake. Yeah. <laughs> flop comes Jack four deuce with one club, small blind checks, the big blind leads for $20. The limper folds, and now Hero is making a decision. So I'm gonna, by the way, I'm going to, we're going to assume this is a rainbow board. We don't actually know. And so uh, for Hero and anyone else who's putting his hands, please do specify the board to the best of your ability. All we know is that this is Jack Fordeuce with one club. Uh, so we're just gonna assume it's rainbow. Yeah. I think it's likely a flush draw would have been mentioned. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah. So, yeah, this is a kind of an interesting spot. Um, oh, one other thing. Yeah. It's important to mention which card is the club. And why is that important? Like, if somehow we continue in this hand, and let's say we turn a club, it's really important to understand how many pair plus flush draws we should expect to be up against. So if the jack is a club, then you know we're not going to be up against king jack of clubs, ace jack of clubs, you know, jack nine of clubs, jack eight of clubs, these sorts of hands. If the deuce is a club, then we will. So it's it's important to be on top of that kind of thing. Yeah, good point. All right, so big blind lead for twenty into forty. We got one fold. What do you think about this range in in this spot for leading? So I'll, I'm going to assume that the big blind is a pretty good player based on, because that's the profile that we've been given. Um, I think this range will be a lot of Jack X. And the reason for that is it's not really going to make sense to bluff into four players just because, you know, the chances go up like the more players that are in the pots. Like someone is going to have a jack, a pretty good frequency of the time. If especially if we don't have a jack in our hand, and um, also like there are three over cards that can come that are pretty bad for the hand. Um, assuming like if he has jack ten, like ace king queen are all bad for the hand. Or if he has queen jack ace or king is a pretty bad event so yeah betting now and getting some of those over cards to fold against three opponents is um that's like what jack x is kind of incentivized to do in some ways yeah i think you know i agree with you in the sense that i think this is probably a pretty strong range not necessarily a range that's going to include many pure bluffs it could but it would be a little surprising. Uh, I, I do think this is a spot that's interesting 
to try things like leading with, like let's say five, six suited, like a backdoor, four, five, four, three, if we have it, you know, we're in the, we're in the big line, there's a limper. So we probably don't have that many of these like low suited hands. But when we do, I think it's an interesting spot to lead. I think leading with our jacks, there's not, there's not, I mean, there is, okay, so here's the big reason to be leading with like value here is that the preflop raiser, this is a very advantageous board for that player, but they still shouldn't necessarily be betting at an extremely high frequency. And most players don't lead very much here. And so our ability to get value with a jack is actually probably highest on the flop here. And we're going to miss a lot of that value just from the times it checks through. And so I think uh, from on the value side of the tree, I do think there's a case for betting here, especially if we're against an opponent in the, or in the cutoff who just isn't extremely aggressive or, or, or isn't very aggressive. Uh, if that's a player that's going to be somewhat passive, not bluffing that much here. Um, and also the way that player plays value uh, is also important. Like if we can bet fold a jack here versus a cutoff raise, it's pretty awesome. And when I say we can, what I mean is that like if we're incentivized to because we think our opponent is just raising a very value-heavy range, then I think we do well. Now, I also think when cutoff is more aggressive, we become actually incentivized to consider leading hands like pocket deuces, pocket fours here, or so sets. If I'm in the cutoff and, you know, big blind knows how I play, I can promise you the best play for them is to raise with fours or to like lead fours and deuces here and probably close to nothing else. Because I'm, I'm raising here a lot in the cutoff versus this lead. And, you know, also... I do check back a lot here. And so fours and deuces want to start targeting jacks right away. So I think that play has a lot of merit, which, uh, you know, I I think some players will do that, some players won't. And so I wouldn't rule out sets here. I wouldn't rule out bluffs, but I do agree that it's mostly going to be jack X in this spot. So, or possibly some like lower pairs. So James, if you had, let's say pocket tens here, what would you do? I think folding pocket tens here is very reasonable. Um, it's very hard for us to improve, and um, like we're not going to get a lot of like we're not going to get more equity cards that we can barrel on. And you know, it's it's also possible that small blind has a jack, even if um, you know big blind is bluffing. But I don't think there are a lot of bluffs coming in here from. Big blind. So yeah, I would, I'd be comfortable folding tens here. Yeah, I, I would do. I mean, I think it gets some players we can consider peeling or raising, but it's, it's not a hand that's going to have much maneuverability. It's going to be hard to significantly outperform a fold here. And so I do, I can very much get behind a fold. What about Queens? Queens. I think we should go for, kind of a smallish raise maybe like 
base is something like 65 just to put him kind of in a tough spot with his jack x you know he's gonna um improve uh improve against us like 20 percent of the time by the river so yeah i think uh we want to try and get a bit of value but not uh give him like such a bad price that he has an easy time folding his jacks how about a hand like king jack king jack is interesting i think it performs reasonably well as a call or a raise uh like you know it's possible our opponent has ace jack so that's more combos that we lose to compared to queens um however we're also like properly um dominating some queen jack and jack 10 that our opponent is betting um we have the over card so we need to be like a little bit less concerned about protection if he's you could lead out with king queen here, like very occasionally. Um, what do you think about king jack? I mean, I agree in that it can go either way. I probably raise just because it, it's probably like a raise barrel check back pretty often for me. I think it's not trivial to get three streets of value with king jack, or sorry, to, to raise and then barrel turn, barrel river, and expect to get called back worse. But I don't think we do much worse against a hand like, let's say, Ace-Jack by... I mean, I think that hand's probably just going to, like, bet into us three times on favorable boards. And so raising and then checking back river, we perform similarly. But I, I think we get to deny some equity. And it might be a, a simpler way of getting value from Jack-10, Queen-Jack, and also potentially pushing our opponent off of a chop. I just think slightly better things happen when we raise but no i don't think it's i don't think it's a huge difference so i think shifting that into a call is is fine ace jack i think is a pretty clear raise um you know it's not quite as good as queens because our you know we're shifting our opponent away from jacks into ranges that are more likely to either fold now or they could have a speed like pocket fours pocket twos but no, i think ace jack and queens plus should just raise here Hands yeah. like king, ace, queen, king, queen are interesting. We can run into some trouble, like when we pair up with like king, queen, but we probably don't ever. Yeah, we probably won't be raising um, turn or river if we if we end up hitting the king or the queen, just because. Like if he bets into us again when the overcard comes, like that's, that's a pretty strong range that he's representing. That's a really good point. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a case for not having very many calls other than just like jacks with an okay kicker and just being like kind of that transparent just because our opponent has started out being quite transparent. Um, and I don't think they have a very good way of countering that strategy of us just kind of like stationing with reasonable jacks and probably shedding some of our worst jacks by the river. What about but, a hand like ace five, ace three? Yeah, so it just it's just a kind of a matter really of how aggressive we want to get. I think I mean personally I think there's there's a case for just like raising a super aggro bluff heavy range. And I, I don't think that we have much incentive not to raise hands like queens, 
Kings aces now. Um, although I think that we should consider probably a different set of sizings with our bluff and value um, from this point in the game tree, at least, especially in the turn and river, perhaps. But yeah, I think with like a with any unpaired hand we want to continue with, I would say a raise is likely going to be better. A nice um, side benefit of that too is if small blind ever has a jack, um, they're put in quite a tough spot. They might, you know, they're going to have to fold sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I think calling here with a hand like ace king or ace queen or king queen would be a pretty big mistake. I think with hands like what we have queen 10 with a club, a five or sorry, ace five, ace three calling is a little bit more reasonable. The main reason is that I think it's really hard for us to get much of value with like ace king, ace queen when we turn over or turn a higher pair than a jack. So we're in maybe a bit of a reverse implied odds spot. We also block our opponent having like some of the strongest jacks, which are our opponents least likely hands to fold. And so I think we're just a little bit more incentivized to raise with those rather than try and float. With queen 10 of clubs specifically, or those that sort of category of hands, I'm more okay with calling, even though I still think raise probably performs better. The reason is that we get to bluff pretty effectively when the turn comes in ace or a king, especially because I don't think our opponent, when they have like king jack, ace jack, and they turn two pair, they're not really disciplined enough to just like check. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. I was thinking about that. Like the king or ace on the turn. Like let's say we um, we call this the king or ace on the turn. Um, if they have a if they don't hit their two pair, um, it's going to be a really scary card for them. They're going to be checking it a lot, and it should hit us more um, theoretically, like just based on pre-flop ranges. Like we should have all the ace king, aces kings, um, and even if we aren't actually playing that way um, by calling them on the flop, I think we'll still be perceived to have them more, such that. Um, Big blind is not going to be betting their single pair jack hands, but they will be betting when they make their two pair hands because, yeah, they'll be trying to get value. They're not going to think that they're going to be able to induce bluffs on these cards. Right. The thing, the thing about calling it with a hand like queen ten here, is that we're used to floating with backdoor equity. But we have to understand that this is a different kind of situation. Our opponent's range is much stronger than most instances where we are floating with backdoor equity. And it's by virtue of them leading on a board that's advantageous for us, and also the fact that we're in a four-way pot. Uh, and so the thing to really avoid is just being in the mindset of like, oh, well, I have backdoor equity, so I call. That's not the right way to approach the spot, um, because we have to be really conscious about how often we're going to face a check and then can effectively bluff or if we can bluff raise on the turn. Cause if we're just calling with our equity, we don't have enough in my opinion. So yeah, that's, that's something to be conscious of. Also like 
our 10 and queen are just like a lot less valuable here than they would be in other spots where like we're just up against like a pre-flop raiser and we're calling a position with this kind of hand. All right, so to recap the action, we opened to 10 over a limp, or sorry, to 11 over limp in the cutoff, small blind, big blind, limp or call. Flop was jack for deuce with one club, rainbow, small blind checks, big blind leads for 20, limper folds. We call in the cutoff is what Hero decides to do. Small blind calls. We've kind of talked enough about this decision. I, I think there's a case for calling. I probably raise, but I don't mind it. If we had ace king of clubs and we called, I would mind it. So we get an interesting card in the turn, the king of hearts. Big blind bets again for $45. So this is 40, 45 into a pot of like 80. I, and I also don't think like, I don't think we can take away too much from this sizing in terms of like ways our opponent's range has drastically changed. Yeah. At the lower levels, um, like one, two, one, three, people do not bet a very large percentage of the pot on the turn like a lot of the time. Um, you know, they'll size up slightly from the flop bet but um like this is like inexperienced players a lot of the time like people are betting like one third pot on the turn so this might be like kind of a like a lesser example of that where i expect like a lot bigger bets to come in more often i guess um anyway facing this bet on the turn i'm not it's it's pretty tough to raise i think because like we said i i wouldn't really expect our opponent to keep betting with their single pair jack hands here what do you think yeah so again it's it's important to understand we, we need to know if this uh if the jack is a heart or not because that's really really important so we know it's the king of hearts odds are based on our opponent, including that information and also the fact that we're dealing with a rainbow board. This, uh, this adds a flush draw. So there's not a, I agree that like a lot of Jack 10, Queen Jack, Jack nine shuts down here. But if, if they picked up a backdoor heart draw, then I think they're a little bit more likely to bet for this size. I don't think we should rule out hands like ace, Jack, Queen, Jack, they could just be betting again, trying to like milk like a sort of weaker value range or sorry, a weaker bluff catching range that we're calling with. Yeah, planning to bet fold. Yeah. But that being said, I also don't think we can rule out hands like twos, fours, king, jack. Because I don't think those those hands are also targeting like jacks. And they're not going to necessarily think like, oh, I, I can just get like $100 in here on the turn for jack 10. So I think overall this range, it becomes a little bit stronger. It might still contain bluffs. Uh, our opponent could be planning on shifting some of their like one pair hands into a bluff. Like if they had a hand, like let's say five, four of hearts. Now maybe they're thinking about betting again to potentially bluff the river. You know, the other, the other important thing about what card is a heart is that like, I think if the Jack is a non heart, it makes calling worse. Not to say we shouldn't call. I think we probably will just call here and that's the best play. But 
you know, the ace of the hearts and the nine of hearts, I think, are much more dangerous for us when it's jack 10, or sorry, when the jack is a nine heart. So, yeah, I, I agree. The range, I think, is too strong for me to want to bluff. Yeah. Um, if we If we raise... The problem with raising small to target those, like, single pair jack x hands to fold is that um, it's quite bad if we get three bet here because we're folding out a ton of equity on, you know, on this, on this turn against the top end hands, you know, like we're just on an ace or on a nine, like we're just going to be able to stack King Jack um, or their sets. So yeah, that's why raising is, is a bit worse, even though we can maybe get fold sometimes um, when small blind or big blind have a Jack. All right, so I think we're in agreement that calling here is going to be best. Um, just to put it in perspective, like, I think it's going to be, I don't think raising here with ace-king is much better than calling. Uh, I think it's probably slightly worse. So I think we just don't have much of a range here that wants to raise. So we get to a three on the river. And... Presumably that's an offsuit three. So five, six gets there. Ace five gets there. That's relevant. It, uh, I don't think our opponent would check those hands most likely. And we can retain those hands, especially if they have a heart. Sorry, especially if hearts. So we, we do pick up some value here. What do you think? Do you want to, do you want to try and bluff? It checks to us. Yeah. Is small blind call on the turn? No, no, no. Small blind fold at the turn. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So I it's... About, I forgot. It. To, to be honest, I totally <laughs> forgot about small blind on the turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, small blind. That makes me even want, want to raise the turn even less just because small blind can easily have king jack. Yeah. Um, I also think like it makes calling slightly worse. It, it makes me think folding is within the realm of reason. Because small blind is allowed to have king jack and can raise. Small blind also can just like, if we have two opponents who can have hearts, it makes our, it makes things trickier for us. Also, we're up just against a stronger range, so our ability to bluff the river is going to be lower. Okay, but we get the three, and we face. There's yeah, okay, so there's 160 in the pot right now, or 170, something like that. Yeah, sorry. So there was a hundred. In the turn, or so going to the turn. Okay. Now, yeah, now there's 180. Sorry, 190. 190. Okay. Great. And we have uh, the effective stack, I guess, is like 320. So 330. Yeah. It's it's hard for me to not pull the trigger here just because I, th I think we'll be up against ace-jack and queen-jack um, enough of the time. But I don't think we have to go huge to fold out those hands. Um, I, I might size something here like like in between half pot and two-thirds pot, like maybe like about 100 on this river, you know, trying to represent a hand like ace-king, something like that. Yeah, I like that plan. I think it's always an, it's always good to just think about what our opponent's incentives are. This is not a spot where like 
we just have like heaps of missed draws. We can have ace queen maybe, although we hold the turn a lot, I would say. Sorry about that helicopter. You know, our, our opponent probably recognizes that we can have queen 10, although that can fold the flop, uh, especially without a backdoor. I think it probably folds flop most of the time without a backdoor. So that's not very many combinations. Uh, if we have queen 10, then it's pretty reasonable that we could have like ace five, five, six, some frequency. So yeah, I think, I think our range is just strong enough. Or sorry, first of all, I think we still have a lot of bluff catchers here. And so when our opponent has like king jack plus, they're mostly just incentivized to bet because we don't have that many bluffs here. And so I think when we face the check, it's from a range that is not very strong. And given that we have no showdown or no showdown value, I do think we should bluff, um, even though you know, I for sure would not like bluff raise over a block bet or like any kind of bet. I agree we want to represent ace-king. It's the most salient hand a lot of the time. And right now, I think it's our easiest value hand to rep. And so, yeah, I would choose an ace-king size. I think 100 is pretty reasonable. I might shade a little higher, but I definitely wouldn't go smaller than 100. But Hero agrees. Hero decided to bet a $100 stack. And Big Blind thought about it for about 30 seconds and folds. Nice. Good work. <laughs> um, I will say it's important to be able to be perceived to have a one pair hand here as well. Uh, some, you know, some low stakes games, players aren't betting for very thin value on the river. And so they'll expect us to be more polarized here and um, might find a call because of that. So that's just something to consider as well. Right. Did we find out what he had? Uh, let's see. So what are Hero's thoughts about the, uh, the hand? Hero writes, I think preflop raise is relatively standard for me. I'm likely there's folding offsuit combos of queen 10 with one limper. My normal sizing is seven, but with limpers in front, I tend to make it nine plus two dollars for every limper, or even bigger if the limpers are loose enough to call it bigger sizings. My goal is to isolate the limper going four ways to the flop is not a great outcome. I uh, I don't know that going four ways to the flop is not a great outcome, personally. It just depends on like what kind of ranges your opponents are taking and how they're playing post-flop. I think a lot of people don't like to go four ways because one, it means they're going to win the pot less. And two, they're just more comfortable in heads-up spots. Uh, but I think that you know you, you want to really embrace going multi-way and really focus on making those multi-way situations a big source of profit for you because they're going to happen a lot. Uh, and, and from my perspective, like whenever we have a suited Broadway as the preflop raiser with three opponents out of position, uh, we're, we're in a pretty good spot. So I wouldn't say this isn't a great outcome, even if... And so, yeah, in terms of, like, my goal is to ISO the limper, that really, it's just not a good mindset, to be honest. Like, and it's really common. So I'm, it's, I'm not really harping on you who wrote this in. But, yeah, like, that's actually not true. Our goal is not to ISO the limper. Our goal is to make the highest EV decision. And that's always our goal. And anytime you impose any goal that isn't that, you're making a mistake, in my opinion. 
So if you say my goal is to ice the limper, sorry, but there's you know three other players in the pot that you have to consider. And so you're not gonna just be able to ice the limper. Uh, so you have to think about what is the best action I can take. And maybe in some instances that means that you should just fold or that you should you know, raise smaller or that you should limp behind, things like that. And so if you're always just focused on ice the limper, you're gonna make mistakes. Okay, on the flop, Hero writes, I think Big Blind's lead is very strange. I have a somewhat aggressive image. I didn't think he would have any kind of leading range on the flop. Player pool generally leads bad top pair type hands, sometimes draws. I don't think he plays 5-3 preflop, and I'm pretty sure he three bets queens plus, possibly some ace jack suited. So his top of range is an oddly played set, but I think the lead is jack x heavy. I decided to float to pick up equity on any ace king nine or club in F position. Overall, I, I think it's good analysis up until the sentence, like I decided to float as we pick up equity in any ace, king, nine, or club. Equity is nice, yes, but we don't. that's not enough equity to just beat a jack. So we have to find how we're going to win. Um, and I think that you might discover that raising makes it easier to win, um, and you still will pick up equity on those cards. Turn brings one of the better cards for me, the king of hearts. When big line bets, I thought about raising. In hindsight, I think raising is a better play than simply calling. Unless he has a set or king jack, he might only have king jacks based on his preflop frequency. I don't see him calling turn and river. I was playing a little fearful, however, because I was stuck on the session and took the more passive line just calling. These types of mind mindset mistakes are things I'm trying to eliminate from my game. So we, you know, we discussed this a little bit. I think again, I, I think you're really like you're really over uh zeroing in on big blind. And I think that might just be a results-oriented kind of thing. Now that you know that small blind doesn't have king jack or like jack x of hearts or something like that, you're glad or you feel like you should have raised. But, you know, we, we thought you should have called because we thought that you were up against a pretty strong range and another range that has plenty of strong hands. You also could be up against like jack x of hearts, which just isn't going to fold even if, uh, yeah, it's not going to fold. You could get it to fold on the river, but you're, you know, trying to get this range to fold on the river is tough. And also you're passing up on implied odds that you could get against like sets or two pair. Um, and instead you're most likely just going to get three bet off your hand. So no, I don't, I think this is maybe a little bit results oriented thinking. I, I think it is good awareness to um, try and realize when your mindset is changing, I guess, like we would just say that um, in this particular instance, um, calling was the better play as opposed to raising. But um, like being aware of how you're feeling like during the session, like based on how stuck you are, and then like working through that is very important to reduce mental game mistakes. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's it's just really common to zero in on certain details and not others. Because it's impossible to know or focus on everything. And so the key is like getting better at recognizing like what's relevant and zeroing in on that. And so it's not like anything that you've said in this description isn't true or isn't likely to be true. It's just that what you're leaving out is really important. So onto the river we do not pick up or sorry we do not improve on the river even though this card is a brick when big line checks i think he's capped at a jack 
since Set should be able to easily bet for value. I know he's capable of folding as he plays somewhat tight in general. So I put him on the test or put him to the test for a hundred dollars. And he lays it down saying, I thought you had me the whole way, which I found funny since he should have Queen High beat. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah. I I think this again it's good analysis, but the the key here is that it's not just that sets should easily be bet to should easily bet for value. Or sorry, should be able to easily bet for value, it's that they're also incentivized to bet for value. Because sometimes, you know, if there's a super dry heavy board and we have a set, like we can obviously bet for value, but we might be better off check raising or just checking checking the check call just because our opponent has so many um, misdraws that they can bluff. So yeah, it's it's not just what your opponent can do, but what they're incentivized to do. Uh, and Hero writes, you've talked about constructing a leading range on the podcast some. It's a play I've added in my game as a result. What hands do you think villains should be leading on this flop texture? Uh, we already discussed that a little bit. Uh, I think leading sets against aggressive players in your spot is uh, pretty good, just because you're not going to fold that much, and you might raise a lot. And you don't bet that much, and so ensuring that you get some money in on the flop versus taking a pretty high risk that you're going to get no money in on the flop most of the time. I think it makes sets very good leads here. It really, really frustrates me when my opponents lead sets here because I end up, I tend to end up losing a lot. So yeah, I think it's uh, overall an underrated play, even though it might feel kind of stupid if you just like lead a set and everyone folds, just be prepared for that. You're <laughs> uh, right. Love the podcast and your in-depth analysis almost all the way through the archives and considering getting membership to incentivize you to make even more podcasts. I like to hear that. And I know we were tough on you here. It's because I know you're a good player and, um, you know, you're thinking about things so well overall and making very, very justifiable decisions that I have to kind of burst your bubble a little bit and say like, look, you're thinking about good things, but you're not thinking about all of the good things. You got to think about all the good things. If you're going to make the best decisions. Big Blind did not show, but claimed Ace-Jack offsuit. And, yeah, it's hard to say how trustworthy that is. Uh, I do think it's... I think it's likely. Here's what I would say about that fold, actually. I think that fold tells us something important. It tells us, one, villain can make a big fold. Or two, villain wants you to think that he can make a big fold or, or villain would rather say like I folded ace Jack than Jack 10 or let's say villain had just like sevens or some, something like that. They just kind of played in a silly way, which is, you know, that, that happens. And the fact that they're not saying like, Oh, I had like something shitty. I, I'm saying I had something like very, very reasonable. Um, and kind of on the high end of what I would ever fold. It tells you something. So yeah, I, w- I would say that either of those things means this player is more likely to be on the tight side. All right. Good hand. We did it. All right. I almost, uh, you know, before we recorded this, I misread the hand skimming through it. Mm-hmm. I thought that it was... Uh, when I skimmed it, I thought it was we triple 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 off. 
Yeah. Which was not, not very interesting because I think that's it's a very easy triple off. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, not that I would necessarily choose those sizings. Um, yeah. But yeah, as a, as a flop float, it got a lot more interesting. I think there's just a lot more to talk about. So yeah, thank you very much for sharing the hand. Hope to see you uh, sign up for a membership, get into the Slack group, uh, and get our asses working so that we can make more frequent episodes for you guys. All right. Um, Thank you for tuning in, and we will talk to you again next time.